This is the Commercial Appeal. Really plays with our football team. Gets to the outside, gets inside the five. He gallops into the end zone. Touchdown, Tigers. Really capitalized on a lot of opportunities throughout the game, having four takeaways. Picked off at the 30. Down the right sideline to the 20, to the 10. It's a pick six. Challenge them about uh, coming out and playing a complete game. And he's got it for a touchdown, and it's 41 to 3. That's his first rushing touchdown. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shad. All right, what's up, y'all? Welcome to another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. We have a special guest for today's podcast, uh, a couple practices into spring ball here. Uh, offensive coordinator and longtime assistant coach at the University of Memphis, Daryl Dickey, joining us today. So we'll just jump right into it. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We uh, have had two really nice, energetic, spirited practices and uh, preparing for our third practice tomorrow. And we put kind of some pads on and kind of work ourselves into that. So things are going good. And it's always a fun time of year to go out there and see what you got. Now, I want to ask and kind of dig into to the past couple of years and what those have been like for you. But but first of all, just with spring ball, I mean, a lot of it I know is fundamentals, technique. You're just kind of creating a base and, and like you said, seeing what you got. But when you when you go out there for practice, say Tuesday, um, and, and you're watching your offense work, what are some of the things that you're you're looking for beyond the, the normal stuff, the energy, the execution, all that stuff? What, what are you really keeping an eye on? Well, um, obviously, with this being year two, what's different this year than, than than last year is we're looking at their, you know, how much knowledge of the offense they have retained. Last year, it was a total introduction to a brand new system offensively, defensively, and with special teams. So, you know, everyone was pretty much learning on the fly this year. Uh, what's fun to see is how much that the guys still re- recall from last year, how much of the offense they were able to grasp and, like I said, to retain. So, obviously, because of that, we're much further ahead than we were at this time last year. But we've also got a bunch of new faces that – Either they're brand new or they didn't get to do much within the offense last year. They were more like on what we call the scout team. And so they're kind of learning for the first time. Um, They're getting help learning because some of the older players who have knowledge of the system are able to, you know, pass it down to them. So, again, it's it's, it's really fun to see uh, the fact that our guys are a, a little bit ahead of where they were or quite a bit ahead of where they were from the terminology and the scheme and what we're trying to get done. Secondly, it's fun to see the, um, the development of guys that, um, you know, played last year some, um, how much they've improved, just their strength and their, um, their, their speed and, and, their, and their size. Our conditioning program led by Josh Storms has just done a phenomenal job with these guys. Last year, day one of practice, we couldn't even hardly finish the practice because guys were just so fatigued, um, so quote-unquote out of shape. This year, we didn't have anybody that um, really looked like they couldn't handle the pace and intensity of practice, so our strength and conditioning staff's done a good job, and that allows us to you know do more things so again there's a whole lot of things going on around here besides just the position battles uh, and seeing how much further along we are in the offense that that we're excited about it and that's what you know spring balls is a good chance to evaluate your team 
take a look at your strengths and weaknesses and, and then just kind of build your team getting ready for the, the summer and the fall. Now, you mentioned it's kind of a, I don't know if I'd say discovery process, but evaluation process with some of the young guys or some of the guys that haven't seen a lot of playing time during the season. Who are some guys that, that fans should know about on the offensive side of the ball uh, that have really come on here, maybe throughout winter winter conditioning or redshirted last year? Names that they might not be familiar with that they should be familiar with. Sean Dykes played a little bit as a freshman last year, and but he, from what he was doing last year to what he's doing now is just a dramatic, dramatic um, uh, increase. And he's a guy that we're going to count on. We're, we're going to need to to come along at that position, uh, the H-back, the three-back position that Joey Magnifico has already pretty much established himself. But we play with two of those guys a lot. At the receiver core, even though we're relatively good, there's some some um, some new guys that can figure in. Demonte Coxey from Louisiana, who registered last year, is uh, showing signs that he's a he's got a chance to be a playmaker for us. Uh, Pop Williams, who played a little bit as a freshman, is is really picking up where he left off. Uh, Jihad Booker, who did not play a whole lot uh, last year, is is starting to really find a way out onto the field and and, and carving a little niche out for himself. An older guy, Sam Kraft, who's been hurt for three years, is now in the rotation at receiver, and we're excited about what he's he's bringing. And at quarterback, you know, a lot of eyes are on the Brady Davis, David Moore battle for our backup quarterback job, and, and both those kids are fun to watch the first two days, and they still got a lot to learn and a ways to go. But uh, there's all kinds of exciting um, competition at every position, which is what we wanted to create through recruiting and um, through getting guys here that we feel like can play um, along the offensive line. Harneet Gill was a guy we redshirted last year that's jumped right up into the starting offensive left tackle position. And uh, if he co- continues to come along, it'll really help our offense. And uh, so again, as you said, I could continue naming names, but those are just a few of the guys that, you know, we're out there and we've been pleased with what they've done so far. They're going to add into um, what is already going on out there and create that competition that we're looking for that, you know, the guy that's in in the starting job, he knows that uh, if I don't get it done, there's somebody else that can uh, that that's, can do the job. And so I better be at my best every day. Obviously, you're still heavily involved with running backs. I'm interested kind of how you guys split up carries last year, and I know that Dorlin got the majority of them, but you had, I think, Patrick Taylor got second most, Daryl Henderson each got 25% of the carries or, or something like that, and then obviously Tony Pollard getting some work as well. Um, what was your strategy, I guess, in terms of splitting up carries last year, and as you enter this year, um, what's the goal, I guess, in, in terms of dividing up that workload? Whatever we got to do to get the job done, and if we have one guy that all of a sudden is just head and shoulders above the rest of the guys in performance. Um, that guy will do the majority of the playing. Um, the situation that developed last year was, um, you know, early on we made the decision. We had a freshman named Patrick Taylor, a true freshman that we thought uh, as the season goes on, this guy is going to be able to help us. And so once we made the decision to play him, uh, when you do that with a true freshman, you want to try to work it into where he's playing a lot. One of the things that happened ended up justifying that. We played him in the first game, and we were trying to figure out ways to 
get him in the mix. And that's a, uh, when Sam went down, Sam Kraft again started the season off, was doing some good things, and then kind of got a freakish injury. And by about the fourth or fifth game, he had, he was uh, out of the lineup for the season. So that gave us a, a, a chance to, to get Patrick on the field more. So really three guys were carrying the bulk of the plays at what we call tailback, which is Doyle and Daryl and Patrick. And Tony Pollard was uh, sharing time between white slot receiver and running back in the backfield. So again, um, you know, it's not like a quarterback where if they say you have too many, that means you don't have one. We don't mind having um, uh, a number of capable running backs in this offense. It's so um, up-tempo. Um, I don't know that any single one of them could go the whole game at the pace we go without getting a break. So we'll continue to, to rotate those guys, spread it around. They all bring different strengths and weaknesses to the offense. Daryl Henderson has got probably as good a speed as any back I've been around. Plus he's remarkable catching the ball out of the backfield. Dorland's a really, really good between the tackles runner. Uh, Patrick is a guy that can do everything. He's just got still got a lot to learn as far as how to do things, pass protection and stuff like that. And Tony Pollard's a guy that we want to continue playing in the backfield and playing at receiver. Um, so, you know, again, um, if it gets to the situation where one guy's head and shoulders above the others, we will play just that guy. Um, as long as it's we can be productive and we can keep guys fresh, we'll continue to play quite a few guys. So one of the other big changes this year, obviously, is your role. Uh, Chip, Chip Long leaves for, for Notre Dame. You're elevated into the offensive coordinator role, back into the offensive coordinator role. And I wanted to kind of take a step back and, and go back to the tail end of 2015 when when Coach Fuente leaves for the Virginia Tech job. And I know Jeff just did a column. Um, if you're listening to this and you haven't read the column, check it out, commercialpeel.com, really well done. And kind of went over some of uh, you know what you went through after Coach Fuente left. But walk me through that that process, I guess, when Coach Fuente leaves, some of the things that go into your decision to to remain at, at Memphis, and then I guess kind of fast-forwarding up to um, when you were elevated in the offensive coordinator role, went into that that process and what that was like. The, the number one thing um, was my family was my number one interest. Uh, a lot of times in my career, um, I have put my career in front of my family, not like suffering, but, you know, I was the one that it was kind of, hey, this is where my job takes me and y'all got to load up and go with me. And they've been great about it, both my wife and my daughter. Well, this time it was my daughter's uh, junior and senior year of high school that was going to be affected. Uh, my wife is got a lot of uh, family and friends close close to the Memphis area, and it just was working out that maybe this time it was going to be best for me to see if I could remain at Memphis. So family was a huge um, part of that. But to be quite honest, I like it here at Memphis too. Um, it's close to Texas, which is where my relatives are. But I began my career back here in 1985. We have a lot of great friends here. And I believe in what's going on here with the football program. And then also, you know, what maybe we didn't talk about as much. You know, I know Coach Norvell might have checked me out, but I checked him out too. I talked to a number of people, and we had met the year before. But I also said, what you know, what kind of guy is this? And 
so on and so forth. And everybody that I knew that I trusted in coaching said, Mike Norvell um, is the kind of guy that you want to, you want to work with, you want to work for. He's a family man himself. He's an unbelievable football coach. Um, he's a great person. He's a great teacher. And all the core values that he teaches are the same ones that I believe in. And on top of that, he was being considered probably the best offensive coordinator in college football, um, running an up-tempo offense, running a fast-break offense, scoring tons of points. And, and that was something that I was really interested in being a part of, just the entire um, Mike Norvell program from – what he teaches as far as core values and program structure and the fact that we were going to run an offense that is probably as up to date or ahead of everybody else as there is in the country. So, you know, those are the factors that led me to, to want to be able to stay. Um, you know, he brought coach long in who did an unbelievably uh, nice job of, of running our offense last year uh, when he left. I know coach Norvell had a number of different, uh, things he could have done and uh, we had a discussion or two and he had a few options and you know when he uh, asked me to assume this role I was flattered but uh, make no mistake ma- the mastermind behind this offense is coach Norvell um, it's his system um, it's the best system I've ever coached in and I've been an offensive coordinator 19 years in probably five or six different styles of offense, uh, this one is uh, by far the best one. It's obviously the most up-to-date, and it's the most aggressive, and it's a, it's, it's a fun thing to coach. Um, so I'm really excited to be a part of it. And, um, you know, to be quite honest, there's parts of it I'm still getting a feel for. But, um, you know, we got the guy that invented it that runs the show, and so he's right down the hall, and he coaches his coaches probably as well as any coach I've been around. We got a kind of sticking with the offense. We got a good feel for it last year, I think, and some of the things that that Coach Marvell likes to do. But having worked with it now for more than a year, uh, how would you describe it? I guess to to a layman, what what separates it from other schemes in the country right now, and how is it different than what you guys were running under under Coach Fuente there the past couple of years? Well, the big big thing is this is if you use terms, this is a pro-style offense being run at an extremely high tempo. When you talk about the spread, and I hope I don't get a bunch of the spread people mad, but these are just facts. The spread is kind of a college offense. You don't see a lot of the NFL people running the spread. Now, you'll see them in some formations that look the same, but the spread is dictated a lot on quarterback run game. Uh, it's a lot of protection schemes that are different. Um, and sometimes you hear people say, well, you know, on around draft day and, you know, well, he's been in that spread system, so he's not quite ready for the NFL. Um, that's not going to be what's said about this offense. We run a pro-style offense. But we run a pro-style offense with the uh, high-speed tempo that's being utilized all over the country in college football, that the spread teams utilize, the no huddle, the call the plays at the line. Um, so we've incorporated two different thought processes 
put them into one package, and it's it's very very difficult to defend. I know last year Coach Long called uh, the plays, and, and Coach Marvell had a lot of input there. How are you? How are you two going to handle uh, play calling this year? I think we'll get to that. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, that will be once again totally up to what Coach Norvell wants to do. He's heavily involved in every aspect of this program, and he is, as I said, he is the the mastermind behind the offense, regardless of who's in the coordinator's role. You know, it's kind of like as you know what, as you begin to learn the offense, you kind of know what's coming from a play calling standpoint uh, because it's all done on field position, down and distance, formations, what the defense is doing to us, how we want to attack them. And I can promise you there's not a play that goes out on the field that Coach Norvell does not approve of. The actual communication of all that, he'll determine at some point. I'm interested, too, kind of beyond the scheme, just about Coach Norvell and working with him on a, on a daily basis. Um, how would you describe him, I guess, and how is he different than, than Coach Fuente in terms of how he runs the program? You know, they have some similarities, but they do have some differences. Coach Norvell is very energetic. They're both very, very intense, very demanding. They want things done a a certain way. As far as the differences, I think, you know, Coach um, Norvell has, you know, really also gotten into promoting the program, getting out in the community. And Coach Fuente did the same thing. But, um, you know, I think that Coach Norvell came in and, was secure enough in himself that, you know, he saw that Coach Fuente's program had been successful and he wanted to build on that, not try to tear it down and 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 start from scratch. But at the same time implementing a program that is done exactly the way he wants it done. So we did change the offense. We did change the defense and we did make some adjustments in special teams and to be quite honest, we didn't really miss much of a beat. Um, we were outstanding on special teams last year. We were as productive on offense last year as we were the, the year or two before, um, and we had a brand-new quarterback. And then defensively, we went from a kind of a little more of a bend-but-don't-break scheme to a much more aggressive, attacking, uh, forcing defensive unit, and we – you know, we forced 29 turnovers, which was fifth in the country. So every part of the program has Coach Norvell's um, input, his his fingerprints on it. Uh, Personality-wise, um, you know, the, the Coach Fuente and Coach Norvell are both really good people. They're just a little different in their style. Um, you know, they both are good speakers. I would say maybe Coach uh, – Norvell kind of can work a room, um, maybe a little better. Coach Fuente, uh, his style is a little bit more towards one-on-one visiting with people and things like that. But as far as football, um, you know, again, uh, Coach Fuente came from the TCU uh, style of of football that uh, was run game, play action, and during his tenure evolved to – the spread and tempo. I think this is the this is the style of of offense that Coach Norvell's always been in. He he kind of began this under Gus Malzahn at Tulsa, and they've been then did it at Pittsburgh, and then they've done it at Arizona State. So he's probably um, been in this system 
the style of system much longer. All right, Coach, I'll get you out of here on this, kind of going away from football just in the city of Memphis. And I know that you, uh, as you, as you mentioned, kind of started your career here back in the 80s. How has the city changed, I guess, and how has it become a place that you want to settle and that you, and that you want to spend a, a good amount of time in? What's, what's changed about the city from your first stint to, to now? It's grown. That's the main thing. The number one thing about Memphis that's wonderful are the people. I mean, the people here are such good people. Um, they they do everything they can to help you. Uh, they're good people to be around. They're fun-loving people. Um, they love their sports. Um, you know, they complain when things aren't going good. So do fans and people everywhere. But, you know, when you're doing well and, and things are going good, they, they get behind the teams and they support the teams, but also just with all the community relations stuff, there's a lot of things to do in Memphis and there's great people to, to do things with. Uh, some of the changes, it's just, you know, Memphis has um, continued to grow and get a little bigger. Um, you know, we live out in Collierville, which when I was here in the 80s, Collierville was way out of town. Um, now it's just another part of Memphis, so to speak. Um and, you know, um, but again, the, the things about Memphis, um, it's always had um, great food places. That hasn't changed, but it has grown. Um, but as I said, the people here are, are one of the biggest pluses to Memphis. Um, you know, the Beale Street and the downtown area, um, they've really done a great job of, of going in and maybe fixing it up. Some of the places that weren't um maybe is um starting to maybe some of the areas falling apart or or um the city's done a nice job of going in and refurbishing them and and making them um you know touristy but also at the same time great places to go uh, the addition of the grizzlies has been huge for the city um because there's now you know there's there's all kinds of it's a great sports town and, um, you know, I know for the longest time they wanted pro football here. Since there's not pro football here, that we've been able to get the Tigers, the people behind the Tigers. And now that we've got this thing on an upswing and hopefully we can keep it there, we'll continue to get that done. But, uh, you know, uh, Memphis has grown and continued to keep it very refreshing, um, rock and roll, barbecue, people-friendly type of environment. Got the NCAA tournament here coming up this week. What's the uh, we're putting together like a a guide for people who are coming into the city of places to check out or a restaurant to go to. Give me your one go to spot if if you and your wife have a night out, you're going somewhere for dinner or, or your favorite uh, favorite place to eat, I guess, in the city. Well, if I got up in the morning, I'd go to Gibson's Donuts without question. You and me if both. I'm here, I'm going to go try Gibson's Donuts, and then any of the local barbecue places they're outstanding so those are the, those are the ones that uh jump in off the top of my head um but i would also while i'm here i would get out and see memphis i would um you know the forum where they're going to be playing is right there by deal street and it's a uh, it's a nice area of town a lot of fun a lot of good restaurants there a lot of um rock and roll, jazz music going on, going on. And to be quite honest, you know, you look at the teams and I'm not a basketball expert, but it, it almost looks like a final four, uh, of, of teams coming here. Yep. It's, it's crazy. It's going to be exciting and it's going to 
be exciting to see the kind of the influx of people too, just in terms of of tourism dollars and everything for the city too. But uh, oh, no question. That's you know, uh, college athletics is still to this day one of the most exciting things. Um, whether it's the the football season and then the, the the small playoff we have to determine a champion, and then the NCAA basketball tournament's always been a exciting time of year you know we'll be out there practicing but uh, we'll still be able to catch a game here and there coach i'll let you go i really appreciate you hopping on today and uh we'll see you out there practice uh, later in the week tom thank you and you're doing a fantastic job as far as a radio guy <laughs> i don't know about that it's still still need a little bit you got of time, a big, but... time got a big time future in front of you <laughs> thanks coach we will be back next week kind of focusing on ncaa tournament coverage this week we're kind of going all in as a staff but next week we'll come back with uh with hopefully another surprise guest and uh some more observations from from spring ball but thanks as always uh for listening for the latest news and analysis follow the commercial appeal on twitter at memphis news this is the commercial appeal